Welcome to the On The Edge Podcast with your host, Scott Groves. Hey, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Scott Groves with a repeat guest. Repeat guest? Repeat guest? I can't even speak today. I'm so dehydrated from (laughs) jiu-jitsu the last couple days, and it's still hot as shit here Uh. in Vegas. So uh, one of my coaching clients actually called me, and they're like, Scott, are you okay, man? You were really slurring your words this morning. Like, that's the telltale signs of a stroke. And I'm like, no, I'm just, like, parched. I can't get enough liquid in my body because I've been doing jiu-jitsu twice a day, and it's still hot. And he's like, okay, as long as you're not dying. So repeat guest. Jake Gallen from the Jake Gallen podcast, which used to be all Vegas centric and is now crypto centric. So give us the, for those that didn't see the first episode with you, the 28 people that watched, thank you. We're going to get 128 people that watched this one. Um, Give them the the 60 second bio on you. Where'd you come from? What do you do? Oh boy. Las Vegas unicorn born and raised out in here in the fabulous neon desert. Grew up on the east side of Las Vegas, went to UNLV, majored in kinesiology, did not use that professionally whatsoever. I was no, in- no, that's not true because Chris and I were just talking about before we started the podcast that we are still a little hot because we're carrying around 20. <laughs> I use it, I use it, fat. I use it practically, not professionally. Yeah, yeah. Once I started learning about what goes into physical therapy, I was like, this is not what I want to do at all. <laughs> yeah, because practically you're like somewhere hovering around like four and a half percent body fat. So you're using the education for some purpose. So that's good. Okay. Absolutely. Kinesiology didn't work out as a profession. Uh, had been working on the strip for 10 years, five years at Planet Hollywood Pool, last five years up until the pandemic at Omnia Nightclub as a model beverage runner. Uh, after I graduated- Say that again one more time. Model beverage runner. That's the actual formal title. They call it a model because it gives them the ability to fire you based off of your aesthetic look. So if you get fat, you're not doing bottle service in Vegas. Yep, and they have regular checks on that too, yeah. Wait, wait. <laughs> okay, hold on. So you report for work and- So every when I was there, it was about every six months, you have to go take photographs, like a group photograph. And you if you- the 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 wording was that if you're, if you have gained or lost ten pounds comparative to how you were hired, you could be susceptible to the ninety day, like warning, where you have to get back in shape in ninety days, or then they have probable cause to fire you. And and since we're unionized, that's like written very specifically into like the union contract. So you're a union employee who can get fired. For gaining weight. Yep, that's why they put model in front of every uh, every club position. They even put that in front of the hosts, in front of the managers, in front of all that. Gives them the ability to do so. Wow, I I think I had heard a rumor about this when the win opened twenty years ago, right? And every cocktail waitress just looked like they were pressed out of the same body mold with slightly different pigmentation for coloring. Uh, and we used to sit there and be like, "There's no way, there's no way, there's this many waitresses, waitresses who are professional waitresses or cocktail, yeah, cocktail waitresses that um, that look exactly like this." So that makes sense that if the win wrote into the contract, like, "No, no, you're a model who happens to serve drinks." then they could hire for a certain spectrum of visual appearance. And and since then, a lot of bars and lounges and ultra lounges have also adopted a very similar style. You could even take one step for, forward where some clubs even call it a, mar- a, a marketing model beverage runner, where the marketing in front is usually comes with like a required guest list where you have to bring in 10 people per week to the guest list. So some of them, they'll try to even jam that and you have one other prefix even before that. So everybody in the high-end club bar scene is responsible for, like, generating revenue then, right? Like, you got to look good. You have to have your own little guest list. You got to keep people happy. So you put them back on your VIP list, and then you actually have to do your job. Yep, ab- absolutely. Uh, when I was at Omnia, though, they tried to, to force the marketing perspective later, about a year or two after we had already been unionized. And so they weren't able they, – they required us to have guest list. But they weren't allowed to enforce it because of the union contract, which I think was like 10 years at the time. So they tried to jam it down our throats. But now I, I believe the majority of new day clubs and nightclubs now adopt both the marketing and the modeling perspective to the wow. job that you're doing. And let me ask, because, okay, I've been to a couple of these clubs with mortgage friends or whatever, and it's just outlandish, right? It's like you're paying $10,000 for the booth, and then you got to pay $500 for a bottle of liquor that's effectively at Sam's Liquor or whatever. Like, is that margin all going to the club? Does the waiter or waitress, like, participate in any of that profit? Is it all going to the casino? Where the hell does all the money go? The the clubs are raking so much money. Although, when I was at Omnia, we were paying Calvin Harris 400K a show. 
And but we what? would but we would regularly have a million dollar revenue night. So you know they're still only making maybe thirty or forty percent profit on a million or two dollars. But because wait, 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 let's go back to the DJ. Yes. Calvin Harris, who I enjoy. I like a lot of his mixes. But at the end of the day, he's taking pop music and overlaying like some. Well, he's also mix. he was also the pioneer. He was some of the he was one of the first DJs to sing, write, and produce his own songs. So that's kind of he's kind of the one that revolutionized that. Got it. And he brings the big crowds. It's the big pop EDM DJ. I don't think since he left, he hasn't DJed on the strip in a few years. I think since the pandemic when I left. I don't think there's been a, cro- uh, a contract that was more than, than his. So he was $400,000 a show. He also had a specific residency clause where during the three years he was at Omnia, he wasn't allowed to DJ anywhere else in the entire world. Oh, so it's an exclusive, exclusive. exclusivity thing, mm-hmm. which I guess makes sense, right? Because like my favorite bands are like U2, Pearl Jam, Guns N' Roses. If you could only see them at the Caesars Palace... I would probably pay a mint to go see them only at the Caesars mm-hmm. Palace, especially since all those bands are probably going to start dying. So um, you got to catch them while you can. All right, so so the club's raking in the money, but they have huge overhead. So going back to like the 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 core bottle service table revenue, um, what were you? If you don't mind me asking, what were you making when you were having to be fit and on call and have a guest list and work from what nine o'clock at night till five in the morning? Like yep, what? yeah, yeah. It was about nine p.m. to five a.m. Oh. It can be it can be quite lucrative, but busing was more of a crapshoot than than consistent tip revenue from the bartenders. The busters, some days you'll make fifty or hundred bucks, and sometimes you could get lucky and hit a few thousand. So it was really just the people a, bussing the tables. Yeah, because you're with the the server, right? And the the busters when I was there was only getting about a fourth of the tip pool, whereas the servers are making almost seventy percent of the tip pool. Got it. And it varies from club to club. The manage, management is not allowed to be involved of, of how the tips are are uh, procured and decided upon. And based off of the the, the historical Vegas tradition, the servers are always the one who have set the the, the tip flow. And when Got I it. was when we opened up Omnia, from my understanding, we the, the servers were most generous to us of any other nightclub. Um, because they believed in us the most. So uh, I was pretty lucky in that sense. But you could get into every, every, I'll just put it this way, every position in the nightclub that's tipped has potential and probably a handful of them are making over six figures. So let me, my buddies and I, we go out, we pay $10,000. That goes to the club to sit there to look cool. And then we spend a couple thousand dollars on drinks. And then the poor lady who's been working her ass off all night, we're like, oh, she's been working her ass off. We're going to, while we sign this bill for $14,000, we're going to give her a $2,000 tip. She might tip the the busser out a couple hundred bucks from the 2000 the bartender a couple hundred bucks, and she'll keep 70% of that two grand or something like that. It's all, it's all pooled house, especially when it's unionized. Oh, explain what pooled house is for people. So that it means understand. that all of the tips throughout that are, that are gained, whether you're uh, so I guess for the table service, all of the tips that are generated from table service goes into the pool and is split up to how the server set it up, as I mentioned before. Got the, it. There are some some varying um, implements of this strategy across different uh, nightclubs and day clubs. For example, when I was at Omnia, any guest who handed me directly as a busser cash, I got to keep 100% of those tips. But then Got anything it. that was tipped on the line, you get about a fourth of that overall ac- across all of the table services. Got but, it. But the thing about the clubs, and a lot of people kind of get chastised on this because they don't realize, is that when you go and you have, let's just say, a $1,000 minimum, right? You're like, okay, 18% for, for tip, 8% for tax, and I'm good. But it actually comes out to about 40% because you have a, a service fee and you have a host fee, and then there's like the the entertainment tax, which is like the state fee that that they put on the club. So at, at the end of the day, if you if you get quoted at a we'll say ten thousand dollar table, it's likely you're going to end up paying fourteen thousand if you don't go just over. for the table before you. No, buy that's tape. That's table and tips and everything. Well, you get oh. a beverage minimum, right? Okay. So it's a ten thousand dollar minimum. You have to spend at least ten thousand dollars in alcohol. Yeah, and then you have the tips and all that stuff. But the tips and stuff is what people don't realize is that it's not just eighteen percent. Ends up being about forty percent with all the management fee and host fee and 
service fee in however way they tried to obfuscate it to make it seem like it's not right. going to the right to the specific person. Right, right. This is just like when you check into a hotel and it's $199 for the night, but by the time you pay the resort fee and the Wi-Fi fee and the convention fee and the this, it's like all of a sudden it's $342. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, I thought it was a buck ninety-nine a night. I mean, this is this is classic Vegas, right? Vegas, Ticketmaster is the worst at this. You buy a ticket oh, for a hundred bucks and all of a sudden you have to pay two fifty. It's the same same idea. All all of these Companies, whether they're mostly entertainment, are the worst at this. But even tech companies hide these these certain fees in there. Financial companies, it's all it's all there somewhere, and they're just going to try to hide what's actually happening. Ticketmaster is the worst because it's like, well, your ticket delivery fee of twenty five dollars. Really, it costs twenty five dollars to send me an email, right? Mm-hmm. Or or build out the app where I have to show my QR code to get it. That was twenty five. <laughs> it's not like you sent it FedEx overnight. I mean, at least like give me a little bit of a reach around and send me like some commemorative tickets. You know, third so class mail. Are. Oh God, here we go. Okay, we, we, we won't get into that yet. No, no. Well, okay, we'll get we won't get into, we won't get to it yet. But, but I, I heard about that. I heard about uh, NFT Super Bowl tickets. So I want to ask you about that. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> put a pin on that. All right. So these really attractive waitresses are are getting large tips. If somebody hands you cash, you're good. If it goes on the credit card, it gets split up amongst the entire pool of people that are working that night. I'm guessing that's so. If all of a sudden some sheik from Dubai walks in, drops a hundred G's and gives a $20,000 tip. It's not like that waitress just won the lotto last night. She's splitting that amongst all of the servers for the evening. So there's kind of a shared interest in everybody doing a great job. Mm-hmm. And and that comes down to, it comes down to performance and it comes down to uh, efficiency for the, for the company. If, if these people who work in the clubs are extremely catty, it becomes extremely territorial Right, you have you have the idea of like sex, culture, finance, power. It's kind of all packaged into into one night. Yeah, and so if if you are now appointing specific bussers and servers to work a section where they get the total profit of that section, you're going to have a lot of issues, and the the quality of your product, which is a nightclub, is going to drop massively because right. everyone sees green in their eyes, and they're going to try to outsize each other and uh, maybe throw each other under the bus so that right. they can be that person who gets there. Right, because all of a sudden, you know, the booths closer to the DJ cost eight times as much as the booths, you know, around the corner. Absolutely. So obviously the waitresses would be killing themselves to try to get the front booth where they know the, the table minimum's 20000 opposed to the $2,500 table, right? Absolutely. You would just create a horrible, horrible culture of infighting. <laughs> and it's already bad <laughs> as it is. So. so even when they share tips, there's like this weird pecking order and hierarchy yeah i think it just has to do more with like the power dynamics and i actually i go speak every semester to in my my friend uh payal sharma's class who teaches power dynamics across organizations at unlv it's like a 400 level class i go every semester and you go on my youtube channel and see because i post them specifically about power dynamics in nightclubs and across the strip and how that works, how the hosts actually are the ones that are really in control. They have more power than the managers. Managers have somewhat kind of operational power over the servers, but the servers are one generating the revenue. So they actually make the decisions and then they can also use their sex appeal to get what they want. Right. Right. And then you have the bussers who are the the servers assistants who do basically who are basically the the wheels and the the axles and the pulley system of the table service, right? Because right. we're the ones carrying the buckets and the juice and the ice and attending to the guests and, and, and everything else outside of being the salesperson, right? Right. So there's just a whole confluence of, of power dynamics through it that you don't really understand until you've been there for a little bit. Because I feel like anybody in the chain can make or break the experience. So one of the best nights of my life, of course, other than meeting my wife and having kids, um, was like 10 of us went to this club. Somebody's, you know, buddy from college was a promoter. So he got us some smoking deal on some opening DJ night. I don't, maybe it was Calvin Harris. I don't know. It was at the uh, Hakkasan. So I don't think it was Calvin at Harris. MGM. But MGM, yeah. So it was like some big deal, right? And we're like the first I believe you we were table. watching Tiesto. Yes, thank you. We were watching Tiesto. Ah, he's See? a good one. He's Chris, a good one. Yeah, Chris remembers. Um, so there was like 10 of us there. We were spending too much. We were drinking too much. There was some dude that we gave like 300 bucks to and he just kept bringing girls to the table to hang out with us that was awkward maybe we could talk about that that was later. probably the busser uh yeah probably and then there and then like where we were at we had a private security guard that took us to a mm-hmm. private bathroom behind the stage like in some kitchen if we needed to use the restroom versus like having to go you know 
pee with the heathens. It was it was simultaneously the weirdest, most fun, most debaucherous, most ridiculous experience of my life. And I'm just thinking all the way from the host that set it up to the security guard that checked us in to the private security we had at our table who this guy looked like a Caucasian version of The Rock. He's maybe the biggest dude I've ever seen. Um, to the two waitresses we had, to the two bosses. Like, everybody was just instrumental in making that the night of our life. Luckily, there was 10 of us. We spent an absurd amount of money. Um, and I've got some funny stories about that later, too. But it's like, it, it really is It really is a production, right? Like a stage show, because... And, and they and they hammered that, too, um, through training. That it, it when, we, when we went through training at Omnia, they brought in the hosts, too. So the host, it brings a server, then to the busser, and the timing, and then the manager comes out at the end. So it's definitely something that um, is, is a trainable um, idea of the club. You want to hear something actually crazy is that there's a lot of gray areas when it comes to nightclubs because of, you know, prostitution and gambling and drug culture and stuff like that. It's actually illegal to have a busser go find girls and bring it to the table and you can be prosecuted for solicitation of prostitution because if that girl is a prostitute and you don't know and now you're, you're getting trouble. and now you're getting paid to bring a girl who's a prostitute it could be wow. considered prostitution so uh, that was a big no-no of course there's ways around everything and people right. would do it uh, for, for the way that we would do it or we jeopardize our careers, but still do it because, you know, people are throwing hundreds of dollars. You, it's the way that you present it to the women. Hey, would you right. like to come share a drink? Right. You know, you yeah. want to say like, hey, this guy's looking for females. You're like, like, that's that's more open and subjective to interpretation right. than right. saying like, hey, do you want to share a drink? Uh, which, which for then the record, for the record, if my children are ever listening to this when they get old, we did not get any hookers that night. <laughs> they were just college girls that wanted to have a drink. There was nothing shady going on. Um, and, and and nightclubs, too, have a huge issue with human trafficking. Uh, especially what? Especially once once I, towards the end, I was at Omni for five years, up, in, up from when it opened to the pandemic. The last two or three years, um, security, we do these pre-shifts, security would come in and talk about all the ongoing issues. And they even in every stall now, in all the nightclubs, there's like a, a thing that you see when you close this, the stall door that talks about, if, you, if you're a victim of human trafficking, then please notify us and notify the bathroom attendant. And there's like ways to go about it so that you don't jeopardize yourself to being caught. So that's Wait. like a big ongoing issue, not just in nightclubs, but in the strip and in the world. So I'm, I'm guessing, are, are you talking about like a group of dudes go to the club, they think they're having a good time, group of girls come over and they're really there with like a pimp, they're human trafficked and yeah. their and their job is to go get money from the high rollers who are renting tables. Yeah, like, absolutely. Oh my, now it's not even safe to get hit on at a club. <laughs> like I understood that it was unsafe to go hit on other people because you could be called, you know, sexist or whatever, that you're sexually harassing a girl or that you're making an unwanted advance. But now it's not even safe to get hit on because they might be human trafficked. It, it's it's definitely a small fraction, but it, it is ongoing. And that's a, an issue that the Las Vegas Strip is trying to, to solve in many different ways. Oh. And, it's, and it's really unfortunate. And yeah. we do hear cases of, of women when I was there being saved, and, but to, to keep it like private because that is like a very serious thing. There's, of course, everything you think that's happening in a club is probably happening. Right. All my friends when I started working in the club scene were like, what actually goes on there? And I'm like, everything that you're imagining is probably happening. Yeah. Like it's, it's some things are unspoken, some things are immediately addressed. And other times people just kind of look past it. Yeah. I, I'm not particularly, I would say, book smart. And I'm definitely not like an ap academic by any stretch of the imagination. But I feel like I have a pretty good like gauge of human behavior. And my wife and I, to this day, will go have a drink either downtown LA or out here in Las Vegas. And I'll be like, hooker. She'll be like, shut up. There's no <laughs> way. I'm like, 100%. She's going to find the oldest guy here who's sitting alone, who has the nicest shoes and the nicest watch or is gambling with the biggest chips. And she's going to go proposition them. And sure enough, like 10 out of 10 times, I'm right. And she's like, this is weird that you can pick out like hooker, criminal, whatever. So it's like, I feel like I have a pretty gauge, a pretty good gauge for that. I can't imagine being like a bathroom stall attendant at a bathroom in a, at a, at a Vegas casino and having to be trained on, oh, by the way, if somebody comes up and tells you that they're scared to leave the bathroom because they're being human trafficked and their, their captor is out there enjoying the fist pumping music, here's how you deal with that. Like that's just a level of training that I would have never expect from the guy having to like wipe down the toilet stalls. Yeah, the guy who's, uh, when you're 
for those who haven't been at the nightclubs, the, the bathroom attendants are the ones that are handing out like mints and 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 cigars and cigarettes and gum and things like that. They're also the ones that are reporting if you're doing drugs in the stall. Yeah. And so they actually have yeah pretty formal training as well. They're they're not employees of of each of a specific nightclub. They're they're a group, but they are they do work with security on certain specific safety causes. I gotta imagine those guys kill it at times too because i remember being real drunk in my 20s and like desperately needing a mint or a piece of gum to feel comfortable making out with some chick i think i tipped a guy you know a hundred bucks for a pack of gum like some of those dudes got to kill it in that they've industry been doing, most of them they have been doing it for over 10 years 15 years yeah they they'd, make they'd make more than us or the server sometimes yeah depends on uh, depends on who it. the guest is yeah man i don't know if i could clean up vomit for that much money but i could clean up some piss and like Throw, throw some gum out um, for that much money. Most of the time, the bathroom attendants aren't even necessarily cleaning it. They'll they'll partake in it. But a lot of times, it's the the porters or like they're the ones that they're the entry level, tipped or non tipped depends on the club. They're the ones that are walking out with the brooms, cleaning up the throw up, and being called to do pretty much anything that we don't want to do. Yeah. And so the busters generally tip them. They they definitely get the shit end of the stick. Yeah. But they're literally they're, the they're, shit they're, end they're, of the stick. <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones that are basically the busters in training. So you come in at the porter, right? You're, you're making half or a third of what the busters are making. But like they're making but minimum wage to sweep yeah, up. And and just 15, tw- no, they're making 20 an hour. Okay. And, but they're not a tip position, but they can get tips, right? So you're making probably about half of what the busters are making, but you're next in line to become a busser. And then what do the busters make? Like hourly? I mean, so the bus, tips could be all uh, over it was, When I was there, it was 15 an hour. Okay. Uh, and but, then, but, but you're part of the tip pool. You're in the tip pool, but the tip compliance is what really rakes you. You're the what? Tip compliance. What is that? So tip compliance is, it's an IRS uh, tax that taxes you on the uh, implied income of your tips that doesn't equal to your hourly rate, right? So let's say the servers are... So the server's hourly wage is a hundred or not hundred, uh, ten dollars or 50, I think it was fifteen dollars, but the IRS implies that you're making a hundred and fifty hours. So now they tax you on an additional hundred and forty dollars an hour for those hours that the nightclub is open and that you're in a tip tipping position because they assume you're making those tips under the table cash. Yeah, and not so surprisingly, the IRS wants their money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can opt out of it, or you could opt in. I've been in both positions. The the idea of opting out definitely encourages a, a higher rate of, of an audit, right? Which I've gone through before. Um, but if you write everything down and you can prove that you that you've been honest and that there's a reasoning behind you opting out of this IRS encouraged tip compliance, yeah, then there's no issue. I mean, because I'm thinking of the waitresses. If they're making 15 bucks an hour on a pay stub and then they're getting assumed tips of $150 an hour. For six hours, seven hours, yeah. Yeah, that $15 an hour does not cover the no. taxes on 100 no, no, So it's this, like they'd have to opt out because that $15 wouldn't even cover all the all the taxes. Depending on the position you're in, most servers end up having to pay at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, the busters would be about 50-50 depending on your seniority status. Right. And then the, the busters in the non-tipped positions generally are getting money back. You know, one of the things that shocked me, and you you mentioned to it or you alluded to it, is this idea of unionization, um, which is why I think most of the state of Nevada is pretty red. But then you get to Clark County, which has, you know, 50% of the votes for the state, and it's very blue because it's very union. I didn't realize this until during the pandemic, my wife and I were talking to some bartender at the Wynn, and he gave us the whole rundown of like the union pay scale and how he's been there since day one when they opened. So he's been at the win for like 19 years. So he gets sorority or sorority. He gets <laughs> seniority. He gets seniority. Um, so he gets to work these particular bar scenes on these nights and not the restaurants way in the back that has a lower tip pool. And like this whole like ecosystem revolves around not only the casino, but the interaction with the union. What was what was your experience with unions in the business, were you were you yeah. happy about it? Were you worse off for it? Better off for it? Do they serve their place? Well, if you're high in seniority, then you're definitely direct benefit. The so we had about when I left, there was about sixty busters, fifty busters. If you were in the top twenty, the difference between your pay and everybody else's could be anywhere from ten to fifty thousand dollars. On what kind of because overall be- income? Like, is fifty thousand dollars a, a du- double? That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. so those people are could could be making upwards of six figures that are in top seniority, and that's because of private events and banquets. So, not mm-hmm. every nightclub has this, but uh, Omnia has its own kitchen, 
So you'd get a lot of companies, tech companies, Facebook or all the conventions like Concrete Show would come in and rent out the nightclub, food service, blah, blah, blah. And so then the, the private has a automatic, I think it was like 23% gratuity on it. And so these three, four hour events, which could go upwards to seven hours, end up paying like $200 an hour. So, wow. and you could get upwards of, if you're in the top, if you're in the top 10, you're probably getting close to 50 to hundred of these in one year. Wow. So huge, huge pay increase if you're on the senior level of the union pay scale. And, and also once it becomes slow season, which starts happening around November uh, through February, the, once they start closing rooms down, Omnia, if you've been there, it's three rooms. There's a terrace, there's the heart of Omnia, which is like the, the hip hop room. And then you have the main room, which is the bottom floor and the top floor, the balcony. Once, once uh, attendance or Vegas begins to slow down, these rooms begin to close. And so those who are on the bottom seniority aren't called in. So now you're missing shifts as well. So if you're in the top, if you're in the top 25 to 30, you're, probably working every shift mm -hmm. or you have the option to work every shift. If you're on the bottom, you're probably only working in the summer and you're missing all the banquets too. Uh, and how many nights a week are most of these clubs open during like busy season? Slow Three season? to four. Three so to four every four. club is Friday, Saturday. Mm -hmm. And then there's a thing called industry night in the nightclubs where every, all, all the nightclubs have agreed that one specific day, Sunday through Thursday, they will be open and it's called industry night. And it's basically that day for locals, people who work in the nightclubs, the pools, the, the restaurant industry to come in and get a table for free, free entry. And it's to help make the club look busy because they realize Sunday through Thursday is the, the slower days. Right. And so there's only one or two clubs that are open. And then everyone from the other nightclubs are encouraged to come to make the club look busier. And Got so it. then they have the comp tables and then those who are from out of town who are paying, you know, five, $6,000 for a table are likely to spend more money because the club Better is busy. Environment, yeah. And also you have just a more attractive crowd around because you have everyone who's in the industry, who's a model you're now surrounded by. So, you know, it is a little bit artificially inflated right. for a few reasons, but it also gives the opportunity for those in the industry to, to go out, right? Because for 10 years of my life, I'd never went out on a Friday or Saturday because during the day, I was working at a, a day club and then at night I was working at a nightclub, right? So there or was, you were trying to sleep maybe? Trying to know. sleep, yeah, right? <laughs> so so for 10 years of my life, I pretty much missed on the weekends and I would always go out on like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays were like my big days. So whatever club you can find in Vegas open on a Tuesday or, or Wednesday night is one, probably going to be a little cheaper. Uh, two, you're going to have a bunch of hot locals that are working there. And three, it's probably a better vibe, right? Because people are like locals, they're professionals, they're waiters, they don't want to treat the waiters like shit. There's not a bunch of like drunk bros who are trying to start a fight because they just saw a UFC fight like two hours ago, right? Uh, yeah, so Omnia is the only club that's open on Tuesday now at this point. Every Write that down, Chris. Omnia Tuesday. Uh, so going. much fun. Uh, and also just from a, from a worker perspective, if you're the employee, when you have the servers and people who, you know, not even in the nightclub, but work at restaurants who are working at the table, you don't have to like baby them as much. A lot of times they just want to take control of their own table, right? Like yeah, if you're out there with your boys, you're drink. like, I can mix my own drinks. You don't have to come over here 47 times. Here, here's your hundred buck tip and yeah. kind of just, just hang out with us kind of thing. Where it's different when you have on a weekend, you have these people spending $10,000. There's six guys. They're now drinking $1,000 worth of alcohol each. They're trashed and you have to be there every second because they're knocking the table over. So it's right. a completely different vibe. As long as it, they could fill the nightclub up, it, yeah. does, it does come to the, the other side where if not enough locals come, then the club looks incredibly slow. Right. Right. So then it discourages anybody to, to come. Right. So, um, one, uh, like this is a good tip for people, right. That are looking like for the fun night. And then I got to imagine for you, I think you're a single guy. Yes. Yeah. No. Okay. No, no, in a no. relationship, oh, in a relationship, different, so, different since last time we spoke. Oh, cool. Congratulations. So back when you were single, this has got to be like the only night that you can meet somebody who's like a potential person to date. Right. Cause like you meet somebody at the club, either you're working there and there's probably a conflict of interest or they're just in town for a day or two days or three days. But if you go out on a Tuesday night to Omnia, Chances are you might meet somebody that actually lives in town. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, ab absolutely. And it, as you said, the much look cheaper. on your face when you said absolutely is like, yes, mm -hmm. I cannot tell you how many times I hooked up on Tuesday night. That, <laughs> that's what that's what I got out of that statement. <laughs> well, I was working Tuesday, but uh, okay. the, the other night, Wednesdays, yes. Thursday, whenever you went to whatever club, I could see it's the hot. glimmer, the glimmer in your eye. It's the opportunity. You could go meet someone, or you know, of, of course, it's never encouraged to hook up with your coworkers, but it happens. 
everywhere in yeah. Vegas, right? It, that it's happens f- everywhere in America. Yeah, it's it's funny because even when I go to like the bars downtown Vegas where where I live, you still see some of the, since I've worked in the hospitality industry for ten years, you see some of the same conversations, the same flirtiness, you know, the the same you're like, he he's definitely fucking her. She she wants him. Like you get you see it in every single bar and restaurant that you go to. Totally. Totally. <laughs> I remember I, I will never forget when I was in my twenties and I was dumb and I was young. Hey buddy, <laughs> you should go to jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, do me a favor, buddy. Go with mommy to jujitsu. Okay, I'm gonna tell a story that you can't hear till you're older. <laughs> Please, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, that's what it is. All right, go with mommy. Go. I love you. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it's a different story. Um, <laughs> I know he's still standing back there. We can see him. I saw you looking. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can see you in the reflection of the TV. So just more proof to people listening to the podcast at home that we do it in my garage and the kids are always running by. So when I was in my 20s, I was working at a bank and our bank manager, his name was Ovi, great guy, a Turkish dude, went back to Turkey for two weeks and he left me and this gal in charge who I will remain nameless. And we were always really friendly with each other. We dated for a while after this event. But during those two weeks, we were closing every day together Ended up going out for a few drinks, hooking up, um, started dating, and he was back in the office, I think about 37 minutes, and called me into his office, and he's like, hey, when did you and so-and-so start hooking up? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, he's like, I know. He's like, I can, I can smell it in the office. I'm like, we did not do it in the office. <laughs> uh, he's like, no, no, no. I can, I can just feel the tension. I can feel the attempt for you guys not to be flirtatious, but you're being flirtatious. I, I can see it a mile away. So when did it start happening? Do I need to separate you two? Do we need to put in for a transfer? I'm like, no, we're both professionals. It's totally cool. Blah 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 blah. Uh, and then she ended up having a bunch of plastic surgery and dumping me anyway. <laughs> so it, it worked out. It worked out perfect. But um, yeah, you can, you can see it. It's like, it's so blatantly obvious when when you know what to look for it, and it's just it's just really tied into the vegas culture i think i think we were talking about this in for the first time i was over here how i i believe and i think a lot of people have agreed with me that women kind of run the strip they, they control oh, yeah. the vibe it's it, the majority of the revenue that's that's made on the strip you have men who are who are gambling and betting but then in the and you call it the food and beverage, which is just nightclubs and restaurants and stuff. It's based off of the women's sex appeal, right? And if the women tend to disappear off of the strip, nobody would come, right? No one's going right. to come to the strip if it's just a bunch of bros betting on football and gambling their life away playing back blackjack, right? right? That the sex appeal of the women is like the main driver, in my opinion, and yeah. and that's just echo- echoed through uh, re- through restaurants, through the nightclubs, through strip clubs, right? Through different sex work, right? That's not just prostitution right it's just the the whole variety promo girls uh models uh things of that nature and and as the strip eventually adopts more technology you know you'll see social media influencers you'll see you'll see regular podcasts popping up like there's ones at win and there's ones at uh at circa in downtown you'll start seeing these become more popularized and just have just attractive women sitting there talk or talking and you'll have people that are hanging out right it's it's similar to when i was Working at Omnia, the hip hop room, it's not supposed to be called the hip hop room, it's supposed to be called the the open format room, but it always just digressed to, to like hip hop and rap. Right. Over, as, over it, at, as it should, by the way. As as <laughs> as as DJing became more popular, you started seeing these like celebrity Instagram influencers coming in and DJing or these models where the music's not necessarily spot on right it's more just listening to like an ipod on repeat right but the appeal of of the attractive woman and her fans coming would would fill the room up it's 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 crazy and that that always tends to be like the final outcome of every industry that's around like food and beverage entertainment and hospitality and so that feels so antiquated to 2022, right? When we're coming, uh, like I can think of the last five years, like obviously huge argument and debate over um, uh, whether it's the Me Too movement or equal pay or, you know, Roe versus Wade being thrown out at the federal level. Like this idea that there's still a place in America where there's a huge multi-billion, maybe trillion dollar industry all based around sex appeal and women and how you look. And it just seems so not 2022. Well, if you look at it and I, I've advocated this a lot and I, I think it, it just becomes like more of the double standard there. There is a heavy amount of, um, 
of prejudice against men on the, on the strip, right? The women can pr pretty much control everybody. You could say there there's sexism towards it. Why why do the women control my tips? Like why do they get to have the final say on it, right? If if this is every other industry like women fighting for equal pay, it's, it's kind of the same idea. Right. And it was because of the tradition that was set in the, the early days of right. it, right? Which is similar to just the normal day economy where the 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 you call it the patriarchy or whatever you want right. was set because men and the uh kind of the the double standard and the the like primal aspect of man supposed to be in power positions and, and feeding the family that was set and so they were always the ones who were making all the decisions in politics and so that became kind of the traditional standard and we're trying to move away for that for it for good intentions right but on the strip there's no intention to move away from it for, right. to, to move it to move more power in the hands of the men controlling the tips like there, right. there's i've never seen one one push for that right so you don't think we're going to get to a place in 2025 2030 where all of a sudden there's a big double chinned hairy guy doing, <laughs> doing bottle service like do you think do you think vegas will ever go woke where it's like hey guys we need a diversity quota so we can only have you know 42 percent hot uh caucasian and hispanic and asian women but we need you know 22 percent uh uh, homosexual servers and we need 32% overweight mm. servers like do you think we'll ever get there because society will demand it or is society completely happy to come to Vegas and be a hypocrite and they're like hey I'm I'm super woke and all about women empowerment back home but when I'm in Vegas tipping a thousand dollars for a bottle of liquor I want a really hot girl with double d's I think it's more of the latter. There, there will probably be specifically curated clubs over time and I think that those are also kind of aligned with these specific movements of, of women rights and, and, and gay rights and then trans rights and whatever follows after that. I think right. you'll eventually have these like just specific one-off clubs that'll kind of help assist with that. Yeah. Resorts but, world will, will open like the woke club. Uh-huh. It's, it's essentially, but just to the degree of Vegas, I realized after 10 years on the strip of a pure party environment five days a week or, or close to that. Humanity has a high preference for for degeneracy, uh, for partying, for 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 feeling powerful, for social engagement, and they can find that in Vegas to some sort of degree. Uh, in the nightclubs, most of the spenders who come in and spend fifty k, hundred k, they're just men who want to feel powerful for that time, right? Whether most of them don't have a girlfriend. Or they're, they're bringing clients in who they want to seem powerful because they have attractive women around them. They're popping bottles and this kind of like allure. And I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. It, it, to me, it just only seems to be increasing. And then it just moves more from the, 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 the physical imprint of, of displaying power to now moving into kind of like the digital world that you see. And I'll mention NFTs again just because you see these people buying these these digital assets for millions of dollars. And it's more just a social flex to show that although your physical appearance isn't displayed online, you're wealthy and you, you can kind of flaunt this amount of money because of the power that you possess. That's the same, right. it's the same exact thing that's happening in the nightclubs. Right, because no, nobody wears a $50,000 Rolex because it keeps better time or nobody wears a $50,000 Rolex because they really like the two-tone dial. It's, it's like you said, it's a flex, it's a peacocking mechanism. It's, re it's really a piece of fancy jewelry that men can wear without feeling obnoxious. That's like, no, 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 look at me. I, I, have, I have wealth or I have a certain level of success. I mean, that's what a watch is for the most part, um, I think. I mean, feel free to correct it's me a, if I'm wrong. I, it's, it's the same with women and the Louis Vuitton bags and the whatever, expense, whatever the expensive bag is where they're paying fifteen dollars to $20,000 for the bag. Yeah. They're also seeking power, although it might be in a different form of power. Men, men want power because they, they want some sort of political position or they want to feel powerful so that uh, when they're on the negotiation table for a business deal, there's kind of like this, this Im Im implied hierarchy of, of, of social status. Yeah. Or you want to feel powerful because you were trying to find a partner at the end of the night, right? You're trying to, get, trying to go out and get laid. So it's one of those three women. There's probably some sort of combination of that. Um, I'm just not a woman, so I can't really speak to it, but also just the, the difference of, of testosterone hey, it's and, 2022, and estrogen. Man. Right? It's 2022. You can identify as a woman right oh, now, geez. and we have to take you at face value. So you'll <laughs> be fine. You'll be fine. The, the wokeness pendulum does seem to be swinging back in the other direction. I'm starting yeah. to see more, uh, more of an imprint of people kind of lashing out to it and saying that it's been taken too far. Right. I think also there were some people who became so uncancelable that 
they're realizing they're kind of like at the top of of how far this like woke culture can push. Right, right. Like um, pretty much Dave Chappelle can say anything he wants and Netflix will tell their own staff, if you don't like it, just quit because a hundred million people tune in and keep their Netflix <laughs> subscription to watch Dave Chappelle like spin comedy. So um, you making $80,000 a year in the graphic design department, <laughs> you are replaceable. Dave Chappelle, the goat of all time in comedian in, in, in comedic life, not replaceable, right? So it's like, if you're the greatest, you can kind of say whatever you want. Right, yeah, and it shows to the degree of where woke culture can push. Sexual harassment is obviously something that now everybody is more comfortable discussing because of, yeah. of Lady Gaga, and I forget the other ones who were kind of the beginning of that YouTube movement, and then the the indictment of, of Harvey Weinstein and showing yeah. how powerful people can. But when it comes to, like, saying words and hurt feelings, it seems like there's, there's pretty much a, a limitation to how far woke culture can really cancel somebody. You look at... Even to the degree Joe Rogan's been tried, has they've tried to cancel Joe Rogan many times, and even Donald Trump to degree hasn't been canceled either, right? He's still running right. around. And yes, he's in a now. Uh, he's now um, being charged by the what is it, the New York Attorney General yeah. for for something, but that's a little bit different than than woke cancelization. That's like right. cr that's criminal offenses that they that they're trying to solve. So right now, not just how I see people going about it and we're talking about nightclubs and woke culture, if that woke culture is swinging back to kind of like a normalized perspective, then I see Vegas only becoming more powerful over time. And now you see other cities in the world trying to replicate Vegas's model and done it pretty successful, right? You have Miami who lives in a red state who takes it to a little bit farther degree. You have Dubai and then you have Ibiza. So these are like the four kind of like Vegas models and if these are getting even more legitimacy, then I can't see Vegas uh, Vegas and women losing power, only becoming more powerful. Yeah. You know, the, the Harvey Weinstein thing, every time it comes up, I, I balance, like, or I, I have, like, this dichotomy in my brain of, like, two thoughts. Of one, yes, that piece of shit should go down in flames and serve whatever remainder of horrible life quality, quality of life he has left. Should serve it in a prison, just probably getting destroyed by other male inmates. That's one. On the other side of the coin, it's like I was born and raised in LA and anybody with a half a brain by 15 knew what the casting couch was because you had some hot girl you went to high school with that went to audition for a commercial and it was you know, explicitly or implicitly said, oh yeah, you, know, you, you sleep with the director and you get the gig. And so um, disgusting, should not be tolerated. I'm glad he got indicted and went to jail. And this like clutching of my pearls by all the actors and actresses. We had no idea what was going on. This is so shocking to us. Oh my God, we need to work towards women empowerment in Hollywood. Give me a fucking break, man. This has been part of Hollywood as long as Hollywood's been around. My 16 year old girlfriend who went for a audition on like a Blink 182 music video knew that that was the thing. Like, oh, you wanna be in the music video? Great, you just have to sleep with this disgusting showrunner or this you know piece of shit music video director. And it's like, the fact that there was any secret about this is, is just laughable to me. I, I, yeah, to, to a degree, I think everyone was aware, but at the time, the the power of social media and and an individual having the option to to channel their voice through a specific platform didn't really exist. Yeah. So yeah, right? I kind of so, have a skewed perspective because I grew up in LA, so it's <laughs> like we have some personal accounts of this. But I guess everyone outside of it probably perceived it, but or could guess it, but there was no real confirmation of it. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing in in Vegas of of servers sleeping with the managers to get the to get the job or whoever's trying to hire them. Those don't happen as much anymore, I think because the power of social media, right? Yeah. Because if that happens, they could go to Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or, or whatever, Facebook, and, and say what is happening and right. immediately get them condemned for, for their like sexually uh, provocative behavior, right? Right. But now we see the rise of OnlyFans, right? And so now sexuality, a manager can theoretically see this woman naked on OnlyFans and then hire her later if she applies for a job, right? So it's like at, at what degree, like it's all becoming a little bit blurred, right? Now it's a little bit more of a gray area because now the, the, the women are a little bit more open to their sexuality because they can profit off of it before right. they weren't allowed to, before they, they would profit because they would have to perform acts instead of doing it 
under their own discretion, I guess. And, right. and that might not be the, the, the exact same kind of situations, but that's kind of where I see it moving. Uh, and when, when I was working in the nightclub, I realized that Vegas was very similar to Hollywood because these girls that I'd be working with would have 50,000, 100,000 followers. You know, they would, they'd hang out with uh, the powerful people who come in. They'd go out and hang out. They have all these different crazy stories. And I'm like, I know this isn't to the degree of, of where Hollywood is because it's been around for a while, but it, uh, it, feels ob- it feels obviously close that that's where Vegas is moving to, becoming the, the capital of partying. And these dudes are coming in and seeing and spending $50,000, $100,000 specifically to share that table with that girl, maybe to hopefully hang out with her and build a relationship, business, or romance, or whatever outside of it. And they can do it in a handful of a handful of different ways and, and yeah. just kind of exert their power even more through, through things like OnlyFans or social media and uh, not have to perform sexual acts, but they could still show full nude photos and make money off of it and then still go about their day, right? So do you think, um, because you mentioned that like basically the, the women that are in power, either because they're in a position of like client facing, receiving tips, kind of attracting the clientele, Plus the power of if they get pissed off at the club, cool, I'll just go open an OnlyFans with my 100,000 followers and probably make more money than doing bottle service. Plus the fact that they're unionized. Do And, and again, you're not a woman. You can't speak directly to this, but I know that you were around this scene for 10 years. Do you feel like the women in that industry feel pretty empowered or do they feel stuck? Or I'm just trying to think like, like on whole, if you're working as a cocktail waitress in Vegas versus a cocktail waitress at some dive bar in middle America, I have to imagine the Vegas person, although they probably have to deal with more bullshit, probably feels more empowered or safer. I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say here, but I'm just like, are, are they better off here in Vegas because they're because they have more opportunity? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, of course, it, there's always going to be exceptions. Right. There's always uh, douchebag managers out, yeah, that there, are trying there, to pull a move or something. There, and there's always outliers of 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 women and men who work in the industry who have self confidence issues, and you could still be making hundred thousand and not feel confident and right. want something on the other side. The industry is known as the golden handcuffs because a lot of people are actually very miserable inside of it. I think a lot of that has to do with graveyard shift and some of the bullshit that you put up with. Yeah. But you're making so much money that you feel trapped, but you're making so much money that you stay. It's called like the golden handcuffs. But speaking of, of women empowerment, when I applied at Omnia, they were hiring 80, 80 women and 80 bussers. They ha- there was 5,000 women who applied from this from all across the world who flew down for 80 positions. And for busters, it was about 2,000. So you could see the degree of... Wait, 2,000 men showed up to apply for 80 busboy modeling jobs? Yeah, and 5,000 5, servers applied. Wow. And that, now if you go follow the day club auditions every year, yeah. they probably are getting even more than that now nowadays They're, they literally have to do two weeks of auditions now because of how many people apply for this it's just like it's a it's almost like a world known or or even a, a domestic known position that you could come and you can you could live in la you could fly down and work wet republic three days a week make five six thousand dollars and then fly back home and do this for an entire summer like so you get a lot of people outside of Las Vegas coming to apply for these positions. It's, it's a working as a server in the nightclubs and day clubs is probably the most prestigious serving gig that you could get in the world. Honestly, there may, yeah. there may there's probably a handful of outliers in, in specific clubs in certain areas like Dubai right. and stuff, but it's very, very lucrative and they know that they have power. They're very aware of it. Uh, but there's always going to be somebody more powerful that's cha- that you're chasing power for. So, so that's where it becomes that hierarchy right there. They're powerful, but then the hosts are the ones who actually have the power because they're the ones who bring in the table service. So if you're nice to the host, then he'll bring the right person to your table who then, you know, like it's a, so there's, oh, there's always going to be a dynamic to it. But a lot of the women are really empowered and it's really awesome to see. It's just as long as they don't get caught up in the in the lifestyle. It's really like this this fictitious reality, which right. everyone always makes fun of, where in, people get inflated egos. This could be a server, a busser, the manager, the bartenders. Right. You think you're this hot shit, but then once you leave the strip and you're walking around, no yeah. one knows who the fuck you are. Yes, maybe people may think that you're that you're attractive, right? But the position of, of serving drinks at a nightclub in the real world, most people don't 
care or they're very right. envious of you. Yeah, I mean, you're a big deal in that ecosystem. And by the way, I don't begrudge anybody who can deliver drinks and make six figures a year. That's amazing. But then you get into like the people you're serving into some big boy circles and six figures is kind of a kind mm -hmm. of kind of not relevant, right? It's like I've been in rooms before where people making seven figures felt inferior. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, they, they they make seven figures and they like they made it. They got a million dollars on their W two, and then they enter a room of guys that are like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I passively made five million dollars last month. Like, <laughs> what what are you doing? You know, so it's like there's always levels to it. You're never gonna catch up. So I, I can see Chris raising his hand over there. We'll, we'll have to edit this out because he's raising his hand. He's, he's got a question about the nightclub scene. Go for it, Chris. So earlier you mentioned that, uh, you know, on weekends you have to babysit people and they're knocking tables over and stuff like that. I know if I knock a table over at a bar in Los Angeles, I am going to get kicked out. So I'm just curious in Las Vegas, like even for somebody paying tens of thousands of dollars to hang out, where's the line on where you decide you don't know, you no longer want their business? Yeah, like when does management get called in and be like, hey, you're getting a little too touchy with the waitress or, you know, hey, we clearly saw you doing cocaine on the back of the bar stool. Like it's time for you to get the fuck out of here. Like where's the line? There, I think it, it comes down to the the server and the busser's discretion. If they're if they're continually tipping you, you're, you're probably going to get away with a lot, a lot more. The nightclubs and the day clubs they do have a hard policy on drug use. Yeah. Even if you go in and and ask, hey, can, do you know where I can score some coke? We're required to report it to security, who will yeah. then kick you out of the club. Yeah. And the reason why we do this is because some people are thinking like, why would you report that this person's tipping you hundreds of dollars? They do have a secret shoppers in the clubs that come around and purposely ask drug, ask for drugs and stuff. And if you don't report it, then they will report you. And there's like a, a whole, uh, like a punishment system. Have you ever that. seen like a sting operation go down? Like FBI's in one of these clubs trying to catch human traffickers or is there, that happens, is there they, undercover police or something like that? Oh yeah. I mean, we had, uh, we had, uh, the Trump family there once and they're in secret service there. It's so there's, there's FBI people, there's undercovers. There's, you won't, you don't really know. You can tell it. Sometimes you see like the invisible, um, like ear, the wire yeah. going into their ear. But a lot of these are all masked. There is a, there's a ton of theft that happens. There's somebody, I remember, uh, they were doing an iPhone theft ring where they would pickpocket people, and then they had, like, a chain of people that handed that they'd hand the phone off to in the crowd. They found this person with 27 iPhones. They were wearing long, uh, long johns underneath. They're, like, compression pants under their jeans. And Holy when they caught him, they shit. caught 27 iPhones one night. Wow. So there, there's all kinds of stuff that happens. But when, going back to the table service, usually I'll let somebody knock a table over once is okay. Second is frustrating because it takes 10 minutes to set it back up, especially if it's busy. But if they're continually drunk, then you'll either single the person out and then tell security. Yeah. And you also as a busser, you'll have to talk with the server, make sure it's generally never the head of the table. If it is the head of the table, that's being a nuisance then usually you'll get the manager to come in and not security. Security is very threatening. Right. Right. And you don't want the head of the table to feel threatened, especially if they're, they're hammered. So the manager will come in and just give like a sincere, cause there's more, it's more presentable, I guess right. it's more approachable. Right. If, yeah. Got a dude in a suit instead of the scary guy and like yeah. all black security. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, I have to imagine if I'm hosting a table and I'm just trying to have a good time and, like, the server or the busboy comes up and is like, hey, man, your buddy Rob's getting way out of control. Like, he just threw up in the fucking corner. Do you mind if we just, like, ax him from the club? Yeah, oh, if you uh, throw up, it's automatic rejection out of the club. Uh, automatically gone. Okay, uh -huh. cool. So, men, hold your booze. Like, <laughs> run Go to, in the bathroom. Run to the bathroom. Find a way to get out run of there. Yeah, but... but uh, so the busser has discretion. If there's any sort of sexual harassment with the server, it's probably it's immediate rejection. Yeah, yeah, probably immediate. Most some servers will put up with a lot of shit, um, but but still to the degree if they feel violated, there's they get hands full of ass all the time, all the time. And some of them will, most of them will put up with it. But there's there's also comes down to a personal standpoint. Right, of course. And I guess like how far did your hand go in and like what what how did you look? What was the intention? Right. right. There, there's a lot more that goes into that. But uh the women generally results results. If you fuck with them, it's you're generally done. Like no yeah. matter if you're the head of the table or not. As it should be, yeah. right? Like you're not you're not paying for a girlfriend. You're paying for <laughs> bottle service and a DJ. And some people get that mixed up. 
A, yeah. lot of, a lot of people get that mixed up. I, I've just never understood that because I guess growing up coming to Vegas all the time, you know, if you live in LA, Vegas is like your weekend spot, right? And like I grew up coming here as a kid because my uncle lived here. Then as soon as you turn 21, you're up here all the time. And then I made the mistake of like befriending a bunch of uh, professional poker players. So we were up here all the time. And um, I just, I never conflated the two of like, well, yeah, if you look around, there's a lot of prostitutes. And if I'm paying for sex in my 20s, like how, how pathetic am I? So I, I, didn't, I didn't do it. But it's like, I never conflated, oh, there's a prostitute looking for work. This waitress is hot. I should be able to touch the waitress however I want. I'm like, that just never crossed over in my mind. But I imagine you get a bunch of guys that are here once every five years for like their Super Bowl mm -hmm. and they're drunk. They probably feel entitled to a whole lot of stuff. Yeah, the 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 bachelor parties are generally the more the more reckless ones. Yeah, it's most people are pretty respectable. I would say maybe one out of five tables that you get is probably going to be a disaster, and you can start you can usually sense it pretty easily. Right, um, and also how how approachable the the head of the table is. You always as a buster when you're when the head of the table walks in after the service and talking to him, you want to. Kind of just get to know them, familiarize yourself. What are what are you doing here? You can go with the, the standard, like, hey, what what brings you here? Or every buster kind of has like their own like signature introductory kind of like method to, right, to kind what of was open yours, up man? the guest. G give it to us. What was your? What was I was your... I was kind of always always different. I tried to not lead with like what brings you to Vegas because to me it felt very standard. So I would kind of lead try to lead with something that was like within the the immediate vicinity something that lead with something that was going on or or like if i noticed any sort of uh, similarities right maybe maybe they have like a, a broncos watch on so you can lead with denver so there there's a handful of variety of ways to go about it the alcohol they order right you could right. joke with do they look friendly you could call them a pussy for getting vodka right, right there's like right. all all kinds of different ways to go about it for me too, as being a Jewish person, a Jewish star was always like the the easiest way to connect with somebody. Oh, so if somebody's got a Jewish, Jewish star, star on, you're like in. In, yeah, it's pretty easy. It's just like a, a tribe thing, right? You're Jewish, right. I'm Jewish. We should be friends. Kind yeah, of, there kind you of go. idea. Chosen people. So I, I tried to always remove the kind of like to me saying like, "Hey, what brings you here?" or "What's your profession?" is similar to like when my parents talk about the weather. Or, or traffic. Right. Like, How are the Dodgers doing? Yeah. I don't know. You're like, you don't have ESPN? <laughs> like the, uh, the, those are the most mundane. And the if you're a busser, first you want to settle the tensions, right? When they first walk in, especially if they come in at 12 o'clock, there's there's a lot of lights. There's a lot of people. You don't know what they were doing beforehand. Weren't they wet republic beforehand? Do they all look sloshed? Yeah. So you, as a busser, I always kind of called ourselves like the, the therapist. We had to ease the tensions of the server. We had to familiarize ourselves with the head of the table. We had to observe and watch the, the rest of the party to see if anything out of the ordinary is happening. And then we still had to manage the table along the whole time. So right. it was like, we kind of did everything. The server is just, just salesperson, right? Right. You're, they definitely communicate with the rest of the party, they're, they're but the their, fo their focus is the head of the table yeah. and whatever their, their sales tactics are at the time. Buster right. is kind of like all. Oh. One thing that would be the worst is not every buster and server gets along with each other um, for different reasons. So when you get paired up with a server that you don't necessarily agree with or there's diff di you have differences and whatever, you just like knew already like, oh, this is going to be a bad night. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a bad night. So there, there's so many uh, dynamics that go within the nightclub that the guest is not aware of at yeah. all. Um, and it can, it could almost be forecasted immediately before they even show up based off of a pairing of a buster and a server that don't like each other. So the first thing I do when I get a table, I need to call over the bus and server and be like, are you guys best friends? Please tell yeah. me you're best friends because that's going to be a better event, right? 100% would be the best way. Cool. So I want to move on to like digital, NFT, stuff like that, uh, crypto, but I, I just, we have to end with one story. Like what's one of the craziest things you saw in your 10 years of table busing, you know, whether it was a 400 pound picking up on the, the most beautiful one you've ever seen or bar fights or like, what's a crazy story that like really sticks out in the mind? So, so there, uh, this question comes up a lot and within nightclubs, it, a lot of it's very standardized. So you don't see too many things out of the ordinary. It's always like what the guest tells you they were doing is always like the crazy things. Yes. You see fights. Yes. You see people trying to tie up sex. All right. You, you see weird dancing. You have regulars who come in and, I just act belligerent and crazy. The craziest thing that I saw, and I don't remember if I've told told this on this on the podcast before, but I use this because I still haven't found anything that topped it in, in my experience. There was a, a guy who had a dance floor table, and he was standing at the top 
the top area, the top platform of the table. And behind the, the dance floor table is another table. And this guy's dancing and he falls backwards. And then all of a sudden we see everyone freaking out. And we go over and look. And I only saw him fall. And so I, that kind of happens a lot if you let security kind of walk away. And then I go to the back of the house and you see this like trail of like brown and red kind of like oh. fluid. And you're like, what the heck? And everyone keeps talking. Apparently this guy fell back and the top of a Magnum uh, Grey Goose bottle, you know how it's curved and then there's that long point. Yeah. It penetrated him through his pants. Oh. It went up his butt. No. Yeah. Yep. And no. so yeah, he had to be rushed to the hospital. Oh, that's the, the that's one of the craziest things that I've seen. Just because I've never heard of that ever happening to anybody else. Oh, now when and, that happens, do you have to pay for the next Grey Goose? Or <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would assume that the nightclub comped the bottle to the other people. Yeah. That would really ruin your night. You're just you're just sitting there raving, enjoying yourself. Maybe you have your wife or your girlfriend with you, and all of a sudden your magnum bottle of vodka is just up some dude's ass. <laughs> and not in a voluntary method. That's like just that okay, that tops off the that tops off like hour one of the podcast, and that's yeah. a horrific way to end it. So thank you. Um, oh boy. <laughs> that that's oh <laughs> we had to do an outro music over it because it was so horrific. So Join us next week for the second half of this podcast.